Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Please be seated. Our Old Testament reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah is, in a word, bizarre. We are in the sixth chapter, the very beginning of a very long book, one of the longest in the Bible, and the young Isaiah has a vision, a vision of God the Creator sitting in heaven. The prophet describes a high and lofty throne, smoke and thunder, angels flying and seraphs with their six wings, singing to one another and singing to God's glory, holy, 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 words that we echo every time we celebrate the Holy Eucharist. But despite all of the obvious power and might and glory, God seeks our help. God says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? God needs a voice, an advocate, a person on the ground. So Isaiah, forgetting to look before he leaps, says, here I am, send me. He had no clue the trouble, toil, disappointment, and frustration in store, but who can say no to God? And so he says, here am I. I was reminded of the incredible power of those who heed the call in a conversation the other day with a member of the chapel who once served in the military. He shared with me his tradition of reading the Gettysburg Address every Memorial Day. After our conversation, I must confess to you that I googled the address since I had not read it since school days. Spoiler alert, it's still good. <laughs> President Lincoln began, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Lincoln then, turning to the task at hand, the dedication of the Soldiers National Cemetery in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, continued. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here have consecrated it, far above our poor power to add or detract. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. In other words, they were called to do something great, and we are called to pick up where they left off. And that same sentiment, that same energy, that same sense of call is not exclusive to ancient prophets or dutiful soldiers, but all of us 
who are called to one purpose or multiple purposes in God's kingdom. We don't have to go to seminary or have our lips touched by flaming coals, as fun as that sounds. For when we hear the call and heed the call, even if we feel frightened or inadequate or unqualified, with God's help, we can do anything. A meal served at a stew pot, praying for a sister or brother in need, an invitation to a worship service, being kind in a fractious and contemptuous world. I saw a billboard the other day that shocked and saddened me. It said, courtesy is in you. And I thought, wow, we now have to be reminded to be courteous. And with that, we're not enough. When we answer God's call, not only do we inevitably do good, but moreover, and here is the frightening part, we might be called to two places and to do things we never imagined in our wildest dreams. God's call is always for the good, but God's call can be frightening and unexpected, forcing us to stretch and grow beyond our comfort zone. Imagine Isaiah standing before the throne of God, smoke billowing, voices booming, angels soaring. And I doubt his first thought was, oh goody, what's next? I have used this quote before, but it is so good it bears repeating. The author Annie Dillard once wrote, Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we blithely invoke? It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. For the waking God may draw us to where we can never return. With God's help, we may be able to accomplish anything. But the flip side is that God's might call us to do anything. And some of those things can be quite bizarre. Sometimes God's call accomplishes as much for us and our own growth and our own spiritual journey as it does for others. And either starts by walking in the footsteps of Isaiah and having the courage to say, Here am I, Lord. Now the sermon could end there. I could say amen and be done with it, and probably more than a few of you would not object. But I have one more point, one more to make. For while individual accomplishment and growth for the self and for the other are good in their own right, we can do even more. For while with God there is little we cannot do as individuals, on this Trinity Sunday, on a day when we celebrate the three-in-one, the community within God between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we are reminded that we are meant to emulate that type of community within, with, among one another. The Trinity, the inner dance of God, is not an individual or a hierarchical or regimented, but a fluid, unprejudiced system. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit share a deep and eternal respect and an unconditional love. And because of that community, that respect, that love, the Trinity shares common goals. And if we mirror and model the community of the Trinity, then we too will have similar goals. Individuals, as Scripture can attest, can do amazing things, 
But together, communities, we can do world-changing things. For we live in a very individualistic world and a very isolating world. I am a rock, I am an island is not only a folk lyric, but a mantra for our age. We may be hyper-connected with one another with technology and multiple networks, but those connections are often only on the surface. And so real community, real loving relationship in the tradition of the Trinity is rare. And if we admit it, sometimes a little bizarre. But a life with God can ultimately lead to the bizarre. A bizarre vision of God's call to be a prophet. The bizarre call to each of us to emulate Isaiah and heed our own call. And finally, the most bizarre, to do God's will in a Trinitarian community. A community of love, a community of equality, a community with God. A community like the one here at the chapel of the cross. That is our calling as Christians. And through this community, we can be more powerful, we can do more good, we can be more effective than we could ever possibly imagine. Amen.